Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome again to New Southern Garden. Of course, we are here every Saturday morning on your hometown radio, WRWH, 93.9 FM, now at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. Of course, that's a new time slot, but hey, at the New Southern Garden, we're always trying something new. And so, like I've said before, I think our 10 a.m. airtime is going to be great, especially for those of you who like to sleep in on the weekends. Because, of course, Saturday is a good day to sleep in. But once you finally decide to get up out of bed, put your boots on, put on a couple layers of clothing, because, of course, it is chilly these days, and get outside and do some gardening. Get into your garden. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of things you can do right now. There's a lot of things. We think that winter is a great time to sleep. We think the garden is sleeping, but actually it is not. Now, it's true that a lot of plants are dormant, and they are slowly growing. Of course, a lot of plants don't grow above the ground, but they are growing below the ground over winter. Because what happens to a plant sometime in the summer? It's a very peculiar thing. You see, the plant instead of growing new foliage and uh, buds and whatnot, it decides that it needs to take a little break and start storing nutrients, food, essentially carbohydrates, into its root system. Because, you know, plants don't have a brain. But if the plant did have a brain, it would know that winter, <laughs> you won't have leaves. Eh, some plants have leaves. But of course, the deciduous plants, they don't have leaves, so they've got to store food over the winter. And that's kind of what we do as human beings. That's what the squirrel does, right? By picking up all the acorns in the fall and, of course, uh, storing up for the winter. Because, you know, the reality is, is there's not as much available in the wintertime. Not just for humans, not just for squirrels, but also for plants. You know, we, we don't really have to, to do that as humans anymore. We just go to the grocery store and buy canned food, frozen food. And, of course, in today's age, we're able to buy fresh fruits, fresh veg vegetables from, you know, somewhere else in the world, of course. But we're able to buy those things in the grocery store. I think that we have lost a little bit of that uh, aspect of saving food for the winter, for those harsh, cold uh non-growing season months because we have been able to take care of these um, the grocery stores have been able to take care of that aspect for us so we don't need we don't have to go get mason jars or ball jars and lids and um, uh, 
put away fruits and vegetables. We don't have to do that. We can just go buy it. But there are probably plenty of you out there who are still doing that. And if you are saving things from your garden for the winter, how about you send us a message at NewSouthernGarden.com or you can be our friend on Facebook and Instagram. I would love to know who is still preserving food because, of course, uh, it's a great skill that I'm afraid is being lost. And thinking about having your produce that you grew over the winter, over the um I mean, sorry, over the summer, over spring and summer, and eating it in the winter, it's something that was essential for life back in the old day. Back in just really two generations ago, my grandparents, of course, grew up having to store, having to save, but not anymore. So if you do that, if you still do that, if you just because you want to keep those delicious tomatoes, turn them into a sauce, turn them into salsa, uh, can them, stew them, can them, however you do it. Let us know. I'd I'd love to share some stories. And so, again, you can send us a message. And if you have a question for us here at New Southern Garden, we're going to be doing some Q&A coming up, uh, not today's program, uh, but in the near future. So if you have uh, this this preservation of your garden coming into your um, pantries, let us know what all you can, how you can it, uh, or freeze it, or whatever you do. Maybe you uh, grow animals and turn them into beef jerky or something. Uh, That would be an interesting way way to uh, keep what you grow on your plot. Uh, But again, check us out at NewSouthernGarden.com for questions and uh, stories of garden preservation, garden uh, vegetable preservation, fruit uh, preservation. And then, of course, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Now, if you missed the show last week, we are actually going to continue that similar topic this week. Last week, we talked all about the 10 golden rules of houseplants growing houseplants. Because other than dreaming about your spring garden and your summer garden over winter, there is another kind of gardening you can do, and that is growing indoors. And of course, when we talk about growing houseplants, we're talking about plants that actually don't like the cold weather. I like to call them tropicals because they do come from that tropical region. Most of them do from that tropical, tropical regions around the world. And we're able to bring them indoors and create an environment that they can grow and thrive in. Now, we're going to learn today that not all plants love to grow in a room. Because remember, even though you can heat your room up, there are other factors at play that may not uh, encourage certain house plants to grow. So last week we talked about the 10 golden rules of house, growing house plants so you can get into house plants knowing that uh, how, how to choose plants. Like that. We're going to talk about that actually today, uh, how to maintain them and do all kinds of things indoors to make sure your plants survive. But today we're going to talk about um, how to choose a plant, what to look for when you're trying to pick out what kind of house plant to grow. We're also going to talk about um, four different groups of house plants uh, to kind of summarize the types of house plants that you could grow. Now there are really at this point in the game endless amounts and species and, and uh, genus of, of house plants that you could grow and choose from. But they can be boiled down, if you will. They can be boiled down into four main groups. And before we start talking about specific houseplants, which I think we'll talk about next week, but before we talk about specifics, I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about the four main groups so that you can choose from those groups um, or choose a group of some of the plants that you may be interested in. 
These four groups will serve four main functions and will uh, give you an introduction to the types of plants in that group. And then if we have time, which I think we will, we're going to talk about sort of designing with the house plants. Because, you know, we've talked a lot about designing with, with plants outdoors. We've talked about color and texture and form. So we're going to talk about that today as well. We're going to talk about the different shapes that houseplants have, the type of growing habits, uh, sort of their look. Because when, you know, it's great to have one houseplant. It is. It's great to just have one. It can be simple. Just take care of that one. But I think that once you just get one houseplant, you're going to find that you want more than one. You want a whole group of them. And so how do you pick the best ones that look together, that look really good together, I should say, and give you a great display? Because just like outdoors in the garden, we're looking to build wonderful displays that attract people, give them some kind of um, horticultural epiphany, you know, wow, that looks great there. We want to do the same thing indoors. And when you start grouping plants together, you, you know, it's a good idea to think of a few different features that you can help complement certain groupings or help contrast other groupings. So it is a good way. Oh, I mean, rather, we're going to talk about some ways that you can do that and choose from different types of plants to make sure when you get, get more than one in your house that your plants still look great when they're put together. Now, before I get into the meat and potatoes of the houseplant material today, I do want to remind you that if you missed last week's show, which again, were the 10 golden rules of growing houseplants. If you missed that show, um, I'm not going to reprimand you. I'm just going to encourage you <laughs> to go to NewSouthernGarden.com where you can find every episode of the show we've ever had. But on top of that, you can also download a, a handy dandy application onto your smartphone or your um, whatever your smart device is, the tablets and whatever else they have these days. Just go to your app store and search for any podcasting app. We're pretty much on them all. And if you find a podcasting app that we're not on, let us know because we'd love to get on that one as well. But if you have an Apple product, you can go to Apple Podcast. If you have an Android product, you can go to Google Play Music. And there are some third-party apps that you can download this show to once it's aired and been put online, like SoundCloud, Stitcher, and probably my favorite, TuneIn. And I'll tell you why the TuneIn app is my favorite, because the TuneIn app, you can actually uh, make WRWH your favorite station. You can put a little heart beside it, which means you love WRWH, and uh, it can send you notifications when shows are playing, uh, and you can actually listen to your hometown radio even if you're not near home. You can listen to WRWH live in real time uh, over the internet with your smartphone on the TuneIn app. So, Listen to all the great programming that we have here at WRWH, and you can listen to it anywhere in the world as long as you have access to the internet. So let's start to talk about how do you choose the right plant? How do you know what plant is going to work for you? Let's say that you have no experience uh, with houseplants. Let's say that you uh, are just learning, trying to get information, of course, using New Southern Garden as a way to uh, try something new. With that in mind, of course, when it comes to choosing something, there are so many options out there. And of course, it is easy to make mistakes, especially when we're growing plants indoors. Because the thing about growing plants is indoors is this. Our houses, even though we have windows, our houses are essentially like 
caves in some some degree. Some rooms that don't have windows are essentially caves. Of course, you have a sunny site maybe on the western side of the house or southern side of the house. Uh, Those sites are generally going to be uh, enough light to grow some sun-loving plants, but still our humidity may not be right. And, And so growing indoors is kind of unnatural because all plants, they want to be outside. That's where they came from. Whether it's a a native plant that's found in our woods or a tropical plant that's natively found in the tropics, they want to grow outside in that condition. So the goal here is to create a space for that specific plant that you're going to choose. And sometimes that can be difficult. You may go into the nurseries or, or garden centers and see all kinds of plants. So the best thing to do to know if something's really going to grow well is to start looking inside the homes of your friends. If you're invited to a party, if you're invited to uh, come over for dinner and your best friend or your family, somebody in your family, they have a good selection of uh, houseplants, you may look around and see which houseplants look really good and which houseplants look really bad. You know, it's my theory that in life, there's two ways uh, to learn. Number one, you go in there and make mistakes and pay the consequences. Or number two, you observe other people, uh, let them make the mistakes, and serve the consequence. And so the same goes with picking out the right houseplant. Which houseplants look the best in your, uh, in, in your family or friend's home? When you go buy a plant, think about these questions. Think about these five questions. First of all, do you want the plant to be on display in your home year round? And that may sound kind of funny because, of course, we think all plants are supposed to, all house plants are supposed to stay in the house. They're supposed to be on display in the home year round, but that's not true. Now, most of all the foliage plants, they, they're meant to be uh, on display. They have value, beautiful aesthetic value that can be on display year round in the house. But flowering plants is not necessarily the case. A little more complex. You see, some of these flowering house plants, they have a limited display life and really won't have any good value to the indoors um, after the flowers have faded. But there are some other flowering type plants which can be kept on display year-round. And we are going to talk about some of those after we get done with these five questions. So we're talking about question number one. When you're trying to choose the right house plant for you, do you want the plant to be on display year round? Well, when we get back, I've got four more questions to add to your bank. So hang on tight and we'll be right back with choosing the right house plant that's just right for you. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. 
Well, gang, the name of the game today is Houseplants. We are talking to everything Houseplants again. We're continuing our conversation from last week. And if you missed our conversation last week, which was about the 10 golden rules of growing houseplants, then you definitely need to check out the program from last week online at NewSouthernGarden.com and also on your favorite podcasting apps. Remember, after today's show is over, it's uploaded to the cloud and you can review, listen, and share on demand with your friends and family. Uh, It's very simple and easy to do. Just check us out at NewSouthernGarden.com. Now, we were talking before the break about choosing the right houseplant. And choosing the right houseplant is important if you are new to the to houseplants, you've never grown them before, uh, maybe you've had a little experience with one or two, but you want to try something new. Now, the first question we ask when we're uh, looking to choose the right houseplant for us, for you, is do you want the plant to be on display all year round? Not all plants are really beautiful all times of the year. Some, we talked last week, are just temporary. They're not meant to be there for very long, but most of the foliage plants are meant to be displayed all year round some of the flowering plants they look okay after they flower and some they just don't look that good so ask yourself that question now number two how much time and skill do you have now that's a good question for all of us because we're all learning and trying new things and you know even the best house plantarian i guess that's a good name uh, a good house plantarian (laughs) even he or she has stuff to learn. We all have things to learn. But generally, um, when it comes to time and skill, there are some houseplants that are have been proven and have the reputation of being virtually indestructible. Now, you may call these cast iron plants, no pun intended, if you're familiar with the actual cast iron plant. But of course, things like Sansevieria, uh, which is mother-in-law tongue, uh, then Fatsia aspidistra, which is cast iron plant, uh, and some succulents if they're kept dry, and uh, some cypress if they're kept wet. Those generally are very easy to grow. You can't kill them. They're dependable. They're just great plants. So if you're looking to get into plants with little time and little skill, you may try those indestructible plants. But then there is an easy group. Okay, maybe maybe you can destruct these, but they're easier. Uh, it's a very broad group of plants. Um, it, so these plants could include some asparagus, asparagus ferns, things like that, uh, bromeliads, and coleus. Some folks use coleus, which we generally grow it in the ground over uh, summer, but you could bring those into the house if properly cared for. Of course, English ivy, uh, English ivy or heterohelix is been used as a house plant, and that's where it should stay because if it's grown outdoors, it can become a monster. Monstera is actually very popular right now. It's trendy on Instagram and all the social medias, and it's relatively easy. Philodendron, that's another one. And Tradescantia, you really can't kill that. But with that in mind, they're a little easier. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, there are some more um, difficult ones like Calathea and some others. So, even though they're a challenge, sometimes you don't want to start there. Maybe leave those to the experienced houseplant enthusiast. And if you become an experienced houseplant enthusiast, if you're brand new to uh, growing houseplants, then you can try some of these harder ones. Now, I'm not saying don't try it, because of course, on New Southern Garden, we want to try things new. But I also want you to be successful and starting with the most complicated houseplant, the most demanding with skill and time, it may 
tear you away from trying to grow houseplants. So start small, start with something easy, and go from there. Now, the next question is, how much do I want to spend? And I know in gardening, whether it's gardening outdoors or gardening indoors, the budget is always a question. So how much would you want to spend on these houseplants? Now, you can buy houseplants that are small, young starts, which are a great way to not only, you know, buy something that's cheaper, but it's also a good thing to start small so that plant grows on you, right? I mean, when you have a child, your child doesn't come out a, a back-talking 13-year-old, right? Your child comes out a baby. It's little. It's cute. And then as that child grows, you become fond. You bond with them. And the same can be true for plants because 10 years in the future, you'll look at this nice, large plant. It's beautiful. And you'll say, I grew you from a little tiny baby. And so you can find small plants. You can find, uh, you know, three-inch pots, five-inch pots. We at the nursery in spring uh, usually sell uh, uh, houseplants up to 10 inches. Of course, they come larger in, in, in larger pots. But the reality is the smaller the pot, probably the smaller the cost, but the smaller the plant. Now, in the growing world, in the nursery industry, there's one caveat. There's one problem. And it's this, if the plant is hard to grow, or if the plant is hard to propagate, and of course, propagate means if it's hard to make more of them, then you'll find that those plants will be more expensive. So some of the hard, harder to grow plants you'll find are probably pricier. But the ones that are easy, that are indestructible, and in that easy group, they should be on the cheaper side. Now, with that in mind, it's not the only way, you know, buying a rooted plant is not the only way to uh, get the plants. Now, you could try to grow some of these from seed, just like you grow plants outdoors from seed. We talk about that a lot from time to time, but also cuttings, whether it's a leaf cutting, a stem cutting, a root cutting, uh, maybe some kind of graft. You can do that yourself. You can do that yourself, and you could start by going to your friend's house, and if they have a pothos in a pot, which pothos, by the way, is pretty indestructible, you can neglect it, and it will still smile happily in your face. But uh, if you find some pothos, it roots pretty easily from a stem cutting. You could grow that plant uh, for essentially F-R-E-E for free just by starting it yourself. So the third question to ask when you're looking for the right house plant is, how much do you want to spend? You want to spend a lot, or if you're getting into it and starting out, you may want to just try a little bit of cash. Put a little cash on the table, but not too much. But in addition to worrying about how much something costs, maybe more importantly, is what size and shape do you want? So that would be our fourth question. How large, what kind of shape of plant do you want? And of course, we're going to talk more about shapes of plants uh, later today. But Think about that size. Think about the shape. Think about the beauty of the flowers or the foliage. Those are all key characteristics that you're going to have to decide. Do you want a plant with large leaves that flop over? Do you want a plant with spiky leaves uh, that stand up in the air? Maybe you want something cactus-like. Maybe you want something that does have flowers, like African violets and things that will bloom from time to time. And so that is another good question to ask before you start researching and looking at what's available in your local plant nursery or garden center. Now, lastly, the, the last question I would ask is, what will the growing conditions be like? Now, I save this question for last because it probably is one of the most important. I don't know. I guess they're all important. But if you're going to buy a plant, you do want to make sure that that plant is happy with your growing conditions. Just like outdoors. What is the saying, folks? The right plant in the right place. 
And, you know, I started the program today talking about how unnatural, talking about how unnatural it is that a plant uh, would grow indoors. And so what we want to do is make sure that there's enough light for whatever kind of plant you want, that you're going to be able to provide it with the right kind of moisture, the right humidity. Will the spot need to be heated in the winter, wherever it is, whether it's indoors, uh, whether it's in a sun porch or something? What kind of conditions does your plant need? Because if you can't give a certain plant the right conditions, then you're not going to be successful. And that plant is going to have a very short life. And so there's no point to even buy it in the first place. So it may take a little bit of research. And if you have any questions about a certain plant, of course, we'd be glad to help you here at New Southern Garden. Just send us a message at uh, NewSouthernGarden.com or you can become our friend on Facebook and Instagram and ask questions there. Send us pictures of your space or uh, if, if, if there's enough light there, whatever. We can try to help as much as we can. But that is the fifth and final question to choosing the right plant. Choosing the right house plant is what will the growing conditions be like? Now, with all that being said, uh, let me summarize the questions. When you go to look for a new house plant, number one, you want to know, do you want the plant to be on display all year? Number two, how much time and skill do you have? Number three, how much do you want to spend? How much cash do you want to put on the table, right? Uh, number four, what size and shape of plant do you want? And lastly, what will the growing conditions be like? If you can answer all those questions, then guess what? You are ready. You are ready to buy a houseplant. Folks, we've got more houseplants coming up. We're going to talk about the four main groups of houseplants when we get back. So hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, if you're just joining us for today's program here on New Southern Garden, I need to let you know what we're talking about, and of course, that's houseplants. Now, last week, we started a conversation about houseplants where we talked about the 10 golden rules of growing houseplants, and if you missed that program, I encourage you to listen to it. Well, how do you listen to it? It's a radio program, right? Well, of course, we're on radio, but we're also on the podcasting apps. You can find the New Southern Garden podcast online at NewSouthernGarden.com or on your favorite podcasting app. You can download the apps. You can download uh, each individual show of we've ever had here on New Southern Garden, and that will give you the opportunity to review and catch up on specifically today's topic, which is houseplants. Now, we are talking, uh, well, I should say we were talking about asking yourself questions before you buy. How do you know how to buy or obtain the right houseplant that's not just right for you, but also right for the space you're growing it in? And so, of course, those questions will be, after this show uh, is over, will be online at NewSouthernGarden.com. But I do want to talk about some of the classifications we have when it comes to houseplants. There are so many types, so many varieties and species and genus and whatnot. 
But there is four simple groupings that I'd like to classify these as so that you can get an idea for each group and then discover plants within that group that are going to serve the purpose, uh, that are going to serve the um, uh, function as far as how you're using it in your room. And so with that in mind, the four ways that we would classify houseplants are these. Foliage houseplants, flowering houseplants, flowering pot plants, and cacti. Cacti get their own group because they are very unique and different. Now, let me give a summary, and we'll talk about more details. But the foliage houseplants, they're meant to be on display all year long. So these are houseplants that can stay in the uh, main entertaining rooms uh, or maybe in the kitchen, in the kitchen window, so you can look at it all year long. Now, these houseplants, of course, there's different kind of varieties, um, which can generally live under room conditions all year long. Uh, Of course, that's with the assumption that you are meeting all the needs that they have. Now, these foliage, the foliage on these particular plants it stays. So they're essentially evergreen. They don't drop their leaves. They look good all year round. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that some of them don't need what we call that winter holiday, taking a break in the winter. Some of them, some particular types, would need to overwinter in a room that's not heated, but is free from very frost and freeze conditions. And of course, um, as they age, some of them lose their display value. And that's kind of a situation with out with the old, in with the new. So those are the foliage houseplants. Now, the second group are the flowering houseplants. Now, these should be expected to live permanently under regular room conditions so they could be on display looking good all year long. But, of course, they have to have their needs met all year long, so you got to take care of them. Then once these flowering houseplants stop flowering, the idea is that the foliage is alive. It looks okay. It may not always be very attractive, though. That could be something like uh, African violets. Now, I think that African violets, their foliage looks very decent all year long if they're taken care of. But sometimes after a great display, they've lost the energy and they've got to regain it. And so they'll put on flushes of leaves later on in the season. But of course, some of these may need to be kind of Put on that winter holiday in an unheated room where it's not very hot because they need a break. They do need a break. Now, sometimes this particular group of plants, the flowering house plants, they need to spend part or a good bit of the summer outdoors. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Christmas cactus is a very, I will say, easy to grow plant. If you give it a reasonable amount of sun over winter, keep it from being uh, frozen outside. But in the summer... Because it flowers, it does require to be outside during the growing season. Of course, in the summertime, it's hot enough for that plant, but it also allows that giving extra sunlight to those Christmas cactus allows the plant to generate uh, and store nutrients and energy to bloom. I will tell you, if you have a Christmas cactus or maybe a Thanksgiving cactus or Easter cactus, some have different names, but if you have those kind of cactus... Remember that if they're not blooming, it's probably because they're staying inside all year long. They need to have some sunlight over summer so they can acquire more energy and set their buds for the upcoming uh, Christmas time or Easter time. So if you've got a poor blooming Christmas cactus, 
remember, as soon as the nighttime temperatures are probably in the 50s, it's a good idea to let it go outside in some not direct sunlight, but in some shade, and let that indirect light give it the energy it needs to bloom and bloom very well. Now, the third group of houseplants that we like to classify here is flowering pot plants. Now, we talked about flowering houseplants, but flowering pot plants, now, this refers to flowers um, that provide great floral display in room conditions, but it's temporary. You see, the flowering houseplants, you're able to use them all year round, generally, and they look okay. But the flowering pot plants, even though they grow okay in room conditions, they're probably need to be moved away, not on full display, especially in areas of traffic, uh, you know, entryways and, and living spaces, living rooms and the dining rooms and such, because they're not going to look that good. As a matter of fact, flowering pot plants are usually discarded, but some can be stored uh, indoors as leafless plants or bulbs, and some others can be put in the greenhouse, if you have one, or into the garden. And one example of this would be like dahlias. You see, you can go and purchase dahlias uh, from a florist or from a, a garden center that's growing these uh, pot plants, flowering pot plants, and it, it will look beautiful. It will probably have buds on it, and you can bring it inside, put it in a sunny window, and it will bloom until it's bloomed out. <laughs> so the buds that you purchased are the buds that will bloom, and they'll stop blooming. But that dahlia could be taken out of the pot and put into a sunny border. You could plant it beside a swimming pool if you have a swimming pool or off the front porch in a bright area. And you'll probably get some more buds uh, until uh well, summer is over, and when fall hits and it gets cold, it will uh, kill it to the ground. Then those bulbs can be lifted even and brought into the crawl space or into a, a garage, and you can plant them again next year in the border. But as a house plant, they're only temporary. They don't last very long. Another good example, which everybody knows, just a few weeks ago, Christmas came and you may have bought some poinsettias. Of course, poinsettias, they look great for a certain period of time. And I will say that I do know of some individuals who can grow a great poinsettia year round. And as a matter of fact, one lady, uh, she's been working with it for a very long time now. It's like a tree. And she takes care of it over winter. She takes care of it during the year. She gives it the kind of light she needs and is able to make these beautiful displays. But for the general, like me, for the novice, for the guy who doesn't do much with houseplants or really doesn't have the patience for them, uh, you, <laughs> you're going to throw it away. If you've had poinsettias over Christmas or somebody gave you one as a gift, I don't know how well it's looking. Maybe it's still looking good. But once it starts to decline, you're probably just going to trash it. So that is the flowering pot plants, and they are that third group of houseplants classification. Now, the last group. The last group is cacti, or the cactus group, right? Now, of course, we all know that the cactus are in the succulent plant family. And they have, of course, these kind of small patches of uh, woolly tufts on these thick stems. And a lot of the cactus, really, they don't have foliage, uh, or we'll call them leafless. So these plants are leafless, but they have these spines. Most of them bear spines. Now, botanically speaking, just a quick side note, the spines of a cactus are considered modified leaves. So the spines, even though we call them spines, 
They're like leaves, but they've been modified, we'll say. They are thorny, they are painful, and especially the ones that have tiny little kind of hairy spines, those just get under your skin and you're really hard to get rid of them. But of course, they can live permanently in regular room conditions, and in many cases, the ones that are able to flower, they can be made to be made flower. So cacti are in their own unique group. Of course, they don't require much water. They just need watering from time to time and nutrition uh, needs, but they can live in your house all year long and generally they can look pretty good. But we're going to put them in their own group because they are different than these other types. So in summary, the classification of houseplants, the four main groups that we're talking about, of course, are the foliage houseplants, which are on display all year round. They can live in your regular room conditions. They may need a break over winter in an unheated space because, remember, heat over winter with houseplants is not generally a good idea. But flowering houseplants is the second group. Now, they are houseplants that flower, but of course have some kind of foliage, like a peace lily or an um, a African violet. So even after they're done flowering, they still look really good. Now, the third classification is flowering pot plants. They are really just a temporary display. They will be there for a short period of time, but they're not going to look their best uh, once they're done flowering. Uh, Then lastly, of course, the cacti. The cactus, that group can be in the house all year long. They can um, be on display. They can handle your room conditions. They may even flower for you if you do a good job with them. But of course... Uh, they do have those spines, so it may be something you want to consider uh, if you don't. If you have children or maybe small pets who like cats who climb on tables, uh, they could get a nice uh, tail full of spines if they're not careful. So that's a classification of houseplants. Now the third topic that I'd like to talk about today. In reference to houseplants, of course, we've talked about how do you buy houseplants or questions to ask before you buy the right houseplant for you. And we've talked about the classification of houseplants, but I want to talk about the shape of houseplants. And I like to talk about shape of plants in general because it's one thing that we tend to forget about. You know, psychologically speaking, the shape of something uh, is registered in our minds because as little children, we were born, not born, but we were trained uh, with shapes, right? So we were saying, okay, this is a circle, this is a pyramid, this is a triangle, this is a, a cone, and this is a spiral, and this is a whatever, As a matter of fact, you may remember geometry. Geometry was full of shapes, and you had to identify them all. But with that in mind, houseplants have shapes. Remember, we've already briefly discussed this today. The shape of something, the size of something is very important, especially when you're talking about bringing a plant indoors. If you don't have the right kind of height, you may not want a very tall plant. A very upright plant. If you have uh, very tall ceilings, you may want that. Now, I'll tell you a quick story before we get into details. But um, years ago, sometime around Christmas, uh, I think our church had brought in some plants for for display for you know just the Christmas season. There were some Norfolk pines or Norfolk Island pine, I guess it is, and uh, everybody was given one. And uh, um, these plants were tiny; they were itty bitty. So my parents brought one home. And they grew it, and my father grew it very well. That plant was looking very good. 
But the reality is Norfolk Island pine gets very large. It is a tree. It is like a pine tree. Of course, it would never get as large in our climate and in our homes as it would in its natural native habit. But it was pushing through the ceiling. So we had to trim it back twice. My dad finally said, enough is enough. Even though I've babied this plant, even though, even though it looks beautiful and I put a lot of effort in, we're getting rid of it. So we found a good home for it. But that's just a reminder, folks. Size and the shape of house plants is important. So when we get back from this quick break, we're going to talk about that. How do your how do these plants look and thinking about what kind of shape or size of plant you need in your home. So hang on tight, we'll be right back. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Something growing in your house. It's crawling up the walls. It's spilling into the kitchen sink. It's trying to eat its way out the door of your house. Of course, we're talking about house plants. On today's New Southern Garden, we are talking everything houseplants. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. We'll probably have a third wrap-up next week where we will talk about specific types of houseplants and houseplant names and their characteristics. So if you have made plans for 10 o'clock tomorrow, uh, sorry, not 10 o'clock tomorrow, but 10 o'clock next Saturday, be sure you cancel those plans and join us here on WRWH 93.9 FM course this is your hometown radio right out of cleveland georgia and here on new southern garden we will be talking more house plants and the reason i thought we'd talk about house plants uh this time of year is because you know there it is cold outside and if you're not too interested in getting cold and uh you know frozen frostbite fingers in the garden which you know you can always have that repaired but if you don't want to be outside you can be inside and still grow a garden you just grow some house plants so of course we're going to uh, wrap up today's conversation talking about the shape of house plants now the shape of house plants is important because there can be if you really want an impressive display you've got to treat your house plant display just like you would any other uh, plant display like in the garden that's a good design. You need a good design. So if we talk about the shape of things, then we can use shapes and styles to create even more beautiful plants. Now, there are um, six main uh, shapes of houseplants that I would say, and then there are sub uh, sections. The first section would be grass plants, grassy-like plants. The next one would be bushy-like plants. Upright plants is a third. The fourth, climbing and trailing plants. 
the fifth, rosette plants, and lastly, ball plants. So we're going to talk about all these in brief detail because I know we're running out of time. But grassy plants, of course, they have these long, narrow leaves just like a grass would outside. They have this grassy-like habit. They're really not, there's very few that are true grasses. They just look like grasses um, because it would be unusual for a grass to grow in so much shade indoors. But there is a subcategory under these grassy plants, which is the broadleaf grassy plants. Now, these are plants which still look grassy, but have broader, thicker leaves. And one of the most important, I would say, is the spider plant. Think about spider plant, you know, whether it's the green kind or variegated kind, they have these strap-like leaves, and of course their little babies hang off and have those grassy-like leaves as well. Now, bushy plants, it's a very vast collection, of different varieties that really don't fit into other groups. The standard pattern of it is this arrangement of several stems arising out of the, out of the soil, out of the pot. It's got this growth habit, uh, which is really not either vertical or horizontal. It's like a combination of both. They don't grow left to right. They don't really grow up tall either. They may be kind of small and compact like, oh, peperomia. That's a beautiful plant. I've got one of those. Then, of course, uh, shrub-like like akuba. Now, akuba is a great outdoor plant, but did you know you can grow your akuba inside as a houseplant? They make very easy houseplants, actually. Now, some of these plants have this natural bushiness, but uh, a lot of times uh, we have to pinch them regularly to induce them to be bushy-like. Now, the next group, the third group of the shape of houseplants are the upright plants. Now, these upright plants, they have stems with a distinct vertical growth habit, so they're reaching towards the sky. Their height may vary, though, from plant to plant. Some may be a few inches tall, and some may be the tallest house plants that we have available. Now, there are some subcategories. The first category of upright plants would be the column plants. They're vertical. Uh, they're up like, like some of the cactus. Then the next would be trees. They're very important. They're great specimen plants um, that can be grown. Uh, things like ficus, the ficus and chevalera. Those are probably two of the most important. And the citrus. Citrus is a great tree to grow inside. Now, the last upright plant are the false palms, like Diffenbachia. Diffenbachia has these um, kind of tall uh, stems. Uh, Dracaena does, the corn plants. You probably know, the, uh, know those but those are all upright. So think about if you have a spot with a tall corner, if you have a tall corner or a tall ceiling, you may use some upright plants as a feature, maybe some bushy or grasslands, uh, grass plants below. Now, the fourth group of the shapes of house plants are the climbing and trailing. Remember, climbing and trailing plants, they have these stems, which when they're mature, they're either needed to be provided with support to grow upwards or they are left to hang over the pot. That is their main look, either growing up on a trellis or some kind of thing that you're tying, uh, using some string, maybe canes or, or a trellis, or you let them spill over. So climbers, climbers are like uh, philodendron is, is a good one. You'd have to kind of stake it up. Uh, they have these twining types, of course, these uh, branches that kind of twine and grab a hold onto something. Some of them have aerial roots, and that's a big thing in the houseplant world, are aerial roots. You definitely don't, uh, you got to learn a little bit more about that, more than we have time for today. But there are some climber trailers that do a little bit of both. Of course, uh, philodendron is another one, a different variety there. Some ficus, like ficus pumilla, it will spill over, and it will also climb, and pothos too. 
I would group pothos into that category, a very easy plant that we've talked about, but they can either spread or they can be um, allowed to climb up something with a little bit of assistance uh, and look good both vertically and also horizontally hanging down out of a pot. Now, of course, there are strictly trailers. Strictly trailers, things that grow and arch over, sort of hang over pots like pendants. They have these stems that grow downwards. And if they're allowed to grow on soil, they would sort of trail along the top of the soil. A couple of well-known trailers, of course, you may have seen are Senecio and sedums. Sedums are very popular. They're great outside, outdoor plants, but there are several sedums that have trails. I can think of one that's commonly called string of pearls, of course, that hangs over, that kind of thing. Now, the second to last group here of the shape of plants is the rosette plants. Now, rosettes, of course, rosette plants, they have these leaves which form a circular cluster around the central growing point. Now, most of these rosette plants are very low growing. They really combine well with bushy and upright plants in particular um, and also work well for just indoor gardens. You have the flat rosette plants, which are a lot like the, um, um, a- a- the African violets. They have these large leaves which basically lie horizontally forming this loose rosette. And most of the time they have several flowers that come from that center. The next rosette would be the succulent rosette. Of course, this is where your aloe comes in, your echeverias, the sympivivums. um, And they do have these fleshy leaves that are born in different layers and stacked together around a center. Um, Then the last rosette, of course, would be the funnel rosette plants. Things, uh, probably the bromeliads, are the most common. They have more strap-like leaves but have a very rosette form. And lastly, the ball plants. Ball plants are these leafless plants. They have a distinct globular globular shape I should say they're basically all cacti you've seen those round ball cacti they have smooth surfaces some of them and some of them have spines or hairs well gang the shape of house plants grassy plants uh, bushy plants upright plants climbing and trailing plants rosette plants and ball plants I know there is a houseplant with a shape that you will enjoy. So get out there and look at some some uh, some shapes of houseplants. Folks, this has been a great episode today. I'm glad you joined us. Check us out online at New Southern Garden if you missed any part of this program. Of course, my name is Nathan Wilson, and I'm glad that you joined us. So stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Uh-huh. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. 